Y'all, welcome. It is such a privilege to get to be with you guys. To kind of start us off, I'm going to go with again, just a moment of prayer. Father, we again come before you and we say thank you for today. We thank you for gathering. We thank you for your spirit working in your people to come and magnify your word, your truth, and what happens when a group of folks go all in. When a group of folks come and say, Father, you have changed our hearts. We didn't work for the change. You gave us the change. How faith has made us new. And from that. in a love for you. So guys, just at your seat, if you wouldn't mind, if you have a faith, take the next 10 seconds and just pray. Pray that God would use this time in your life to strengthen you. If y'all would, take another 10 seconds, pray for me and pray for our five different ministry partners and liaisons who are gonna come and share about how they, how they are excited for our help to serve this community. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We all, hey, if you were here with us last week, I, I wasn't here, but my friend Craig Corley, he came and preached an incredible message. If you missed it, you can find it online. You gotta go listen to that. But while he was here teaching, I actually had the privilege, I was in a city called Trujillo, down in Peru, preaching through a translator to a local church gathered there in the city. It's about a population of a million. And while I was there, I was talking to this church body, these people in a city, I don't know anyone. The things that I do know about the city there is that it was tremendously unreached. What we might say, it, it has a high Christian culture, like especially with an Orthodox Christianity and its background, it has a high Christian culture. But when you come to talk to people about do you know the love of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you, what he means for you, and what he intends for your life? Much of the same way there's opportunity for that to go here, there's tremendous opportunity for that to go there. And I got to go down to be a part of this, to go and learn from and get to know what could become a potential international partner for us. The reason I start with that, because there's something, as you go to from the moment where I started packing my bags to heading towards the airport, to getting on the plane, my heart shifted into this mindset, right? I'm getting on this plane, my heart shifts in this mindset, where as I go down to Peru, I'm thinking, okay, man, right? If I don't sleep that much, it's fine. I'm here to serve, right? If I don't get to eat food that's comfortable to me or it's normal, it doesn't even matter, man. That's fine. I'm here to serve. Hey, if, if restrooms aren't the same down there as restrooms are the same here, it's fine. I'm here to serve, Hey, if I can't get cable television in my hotel room down there, like I can here, it's fine. I'm here to serve. And then I came and I met these people. I met these missionary families who have been living in the city for some of them 20 plus years. And here's what I thought. Besides the, the privilege of getting to know them, and we'll talk more about that in the future weeks. Besides the privilege of getting to know them, I thought, this is what I want to do in New Braunfels. 
I don't want to have my heart shift when I head towards the plane. I don't want to have my heart shift when it doesn't go my way, but I have this bigger perspective of I am called to serve. I don't wanna have a heart shift when I have to stop and think through. My only reason here is to help people come to grow in a love and a knowledge of Christ. Guys, the same way we went down there, that I went down there to learn from, to encourage and to consider what missionary life is there. Church, we are called to be missionaries here. We are called to be ones who come in light to darkness, sharing the grace of God in truth. Our lives are meant to be poured out. Our lives are meant to be sacrificed. Our lives are meant to be given away. The reason I start with that is what I wanna talk today is how we as a local church, we can't do everything in the ways that we wanna serve the community. We can't do it all. But by the grace of God, we are going to faithfully do some. And that's where today we're gonna talk about the five different strategic partnerships with different nonprofits and ministries. With To be people who love the world, not just in word, but indeed, to be people who have goods we give to those in need, to be people who, just like Jesus Christ, when he came, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as I come to even talk about it, like if you grew up in church or you have a church background, you might be familiar with like a, like a service day or something like that. Maybe they bring in folks and all that kind of stuff. If that's the background that you're coming to something like this, I'm just gonna try to see what perhaps what you feel because I've felt it before in the past. I've walked into environments where they come and they talk about ways that they can serve. Hey, here's how we can get out, how we can be involved in the community. And typically when you're following Jesus Christ, or if not, there's this desire to wanna do that, right? You want to, or perhaps you know you should, or you want a desire to go, but some of it makes you nervous. But a lot of times what begins to go through your head is you begin to see, hey, that's the environment of this Sunday morning. What begins to go through your head is what goes through mine. Man, I'm so busy. Man, life is so full. Man, I've got so much stuff going on. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's the attitude I'm asking you to switch into. Here's the mindset I'm asking you to shift towards. Your life is meant to be poured out, right? If you've come here and you run in a pace of busyness, I need you to just stop and evaluate. Am I faithfully everywhere God would have me? The answer to that may be absolutely. Right? What I mean by that is you may be serving, caring for family, discipling kids, driving carpools, going in and around, leading a business, doing anything and everything where you are pouring life out. And you may not need to change a thing. Be free. And then there's some of us, and I think this can be like me, where I come and I have this pace of busyness, but when I really stop and I think through with like that biblical mindset of priorities, hey God, what would you have me do? All of a sudden, my life, while I feel it's busy nonstop, I can really begin to realize pretty quickly, man, I put a lot of time and energy in things that are either solely for me or things that really have no eternal value. What I'm not going after is leisure and rest, because trust me, we need that too. But what I am going after is I'm asking this church body to shift, and we must have this mindset. God, I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want. 
I'll serve wherever you want. I will change my schedule in whatever way you want. I will trim down from 14 different teams that I have to drive my kids to, to four or, or one, you know? I'll do it all. If we have that heart, no matter where you serve, no matter where we give our life to, we are where God wants us, right? And that's why I'm excited to come and introduce five sets of my friends with ministries that I'm gonna give my heart to. And I'm asking you to prayerfully consider how you can do that too. To give you a little background for how we got here though, if you're newer to the Springs, you won't know this, but if you're familiar, here's where we got to. We, we spent a lot of time as church leaders trying to identify an area of focus in the community. What I mean by that is we went and we spent time talking with leaders, officials, all these different things to come and in New Braunfels and all across Comal County to identify what are the major needs. We look at everything from psychiatric care to poverty to homelessness to job creation to affordable housing to transportation, uh, elderly support, all of it. And what we really found out is there is needs everywhere. And then we came and we asked our body, hey, what are the places where God's put on your heart a desire to serve? And what are the places where you're already giving your life to? And as we stopped and we kind of overlapped all the needs, overlapped the desires and the gifts of our body, we landed on this, this area. We call it our slice of the pie. We just call it vulnerable families, family care where we came and we thought through, we can't do it all, but we want to steward little well. We're not going to boil the ocean. We're not going to go a mile wide and an inch deep, but we're going to take our slice of the pie. And by the grace of God, with his spirit working through his people, we will be about change. We will demonstrate to the community in both word and deed how Jesus Christ, it's true. The whole thing's true. He's real. Believe. By the way that we love, we serve, and we share. And so that led us, once we found out this focus area of need, we started talking to a lot of different nonprofits across the town. And that's where, as we came, we landed on five. Those are the five I'm gonna have the privilege of sharing with you today. Those are options for life, pregnancy resource center, support for folks who um, are either considering an abortion, support for folks who have had an abortion, loving all people at every stage. Options. Young lives and outreach and engagement Discipleship program for teen moms, at-risk families. Connections TLP, a transitional living program for individuals in our state foster system who are no longer in a home but have been placed in this, in this transitional living program who are on there on average about a year and their ages ranges from 15 to 21. One of the ways that it connected when I was talking with the people is oftentimes these are just the forgotten segment People want to come and serve the little ones, and there's nothing wrong with serving little ones. But how do we go and serve those? It's a little harder. An amazing ministry here, One Hope for Kids. They raise up foster care families. They support those in that system. They act as a go-between between foster care and CPS. Do you know that 50% of children that are removed from homes, oftentimes due to abuse, neglect, or drug use in a home, 50% of them in New Braunfels, in Comal County, excuse me, have to leave Comal County. Why? There's not enough foster families to take them in. There's not enough support. So imagine your parents have made broken decisions that you, you can't control. You're being taken from them and you're not only taken from your parents in that environment you know, but then every environment that you know. The school bus route, where you sit on the bus, the classroom that you go to, your clothes, 
everything and you go to a different county? How do you come and serve? And then finally, CASA, court-appointed special advocates. How do we come and engage these children? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna invite these five ministries. They've all got their section of time to set it up. What it is, is it almost act like, I hope, like a, a movie trailer. You know how movies have trailer and then there's the movie themselves? The goal for this morning is for each one of these ministries to share with you the trailer, the heart and the vision. And then at the end of that, there'll be a ministry booth set up to where you can ask questions and we'll talk about other ways you can get connected. So if you will, we're gonna welcome, I'm gonna ask y'all give a round of applause. Our first group up to the stage is going to be Young Lives and that's gonna be Carrie Leach and Julie Ernest. Young Lives is a part of Young Life, uh, an international-wide ministry that we have here in New Braunfels. Uh, Young Life's mission is to enter into adolescents, like into the lives of adolescents and um, share Jesus Christ with them and help them grow in their faith. Um, we accomplish this in Young Lives specifically by entering into the world of teen moms and building relationships one-on-one -on -one with them. We go to them. We don't ask them to come to us. So we do have a lot of things that kind of look on the outside as if like, hey, come do what we're doing. But really, our ministry is going into their world, meeting them where they are, loving them, and no matter what their decision, being with them, walking through life with them, the girls and their babies, children, really, gosh, they're not just babies. There's toddlers. And even like now, these girls are have kids my age. I, have, I mean, my age, not my age. I'm like their grandmother's age. Like, let's get that right. Um, the babies like, are like my kid's age. I have four kids. Um, and so we accomplish like going into their world through one-on-one -on -one relationships. So at the heart of our ministry is mentorship. And so we fully believe um, that Jesus lived a very relational ministry and he cared very much for establishing relationships with people. And so that is what we do. We try and live that out and um, our goal is to make disciples. And so um, a typical month in young lives looks like um, something we call club. And this, so this is kind of where we invite them to come to us. But first we have gone to them and gotten to know them. And then we invite them um, to something that feels like family. And so we have this thing called club. They come, they have dinner, we have childcare for their babies, and then they get a time to focus and laugh, games, um, skits, silly, typical, if you know Young Life at all, it's all kind of that. Um, we finish the night with um, a, a talk about Jesus, a piece of the gospel, and over the year we will share the gospel with them. Um, then we also, during the month, we have something called campaigners. And so twice a month, we have offered for our girls that are interested in going deeper and knowing something more about Jesus, we have a Bible study called campaigners. And um, it is, does not necessarily look like a Bible study. You're typical, everyone's sitting in a circle. Um, generally, there are lots of babies, children, um, things, girls half paying attention. Uh, but we are always amazed at how much God accomplishes in that. And the girls feel free to come wherever they're at with their faith and ask questions. Um, some of them open the Bible for the very first time. And um, so we offer that twice a month. And then twice during the year we have camp. And so instead of sending our kids to camp, we actually take our girls to camp. And so our mentors grab their girls and their children and they go to camp and it's bananas, but it's awesome. Um, and so in a typical week though, like I said, we are about relationship. And so in a typical week, a mentor is meeting with a girl 
at some point every day. Um, and so if you ever catch them around town and they're kind of like, hey, maybe that's so-and-so, you know, maybe from your church and with the girl, it's probably that. They, we want them to invite them into their life. Um, and so the, the girl with their, the mentor with their girl will um, just do regular life with them. And so this week, what that looked like um, was that we had uh, a mentor invite a girl over for dinner at her house, and they just came over, and they were doing what they normally do, eat. We all eat. And so um, she had her over for dinner. Um, another night, we had a bunch of visits to one of the campuses where a bunch of our girls live. They're in um, foster care together at SJRC, St. Jude's Ranch for Children. And so we did a house visit up there to see some of the girls. Um, I also went up a separate time that same day and um, we're trying to connect a new mentor with one of the girls there and get them kind of matched. It's like a dating sort of, yeah, I kind of compare, I'm like, it's like a blind date, I'm sorry, but here it is. Um, and then um, Tuesday morning, we go to the high school and um, to Canyon High School and we have a Bible study actually during school hours. It's allowed, I promise. Um, the principal knows about it, um, but we had a Bible study with um, a bunch of the kids, and that's just any high school kid. And so I also go up there to encourage my teen mamas to come. Um, and that night, we had our Bible study campaigners this week, and um, we had actually a girl video conference in, so that was funny, in the chaos of all the babies and the Bibles and brownies and things that were out. Um, we had, like, a girl, like, on video uh, because she had moved away and wanted to be a part of it. Um, and then that same night, one of our mentors was driving a girl home, and they ended up having a two-hour-long conversation in the car outside her house just talking about life and um, things that she had kind of gotten from Bible study and felt safe to open up with um, with one of our mentors. Um, and then um, we have one of our mentors also doing um, driving practice with um, some of the girls that we have that are 18 and still don't have their driver's license. And so she's, um, she's going to actually talk to you next because she's one of your own. She's amazing and doing a lot of those things I talked about too. Uh, but this is Julie, one of our, Julie Ernest, one of our mentors. Just to be clear, if you want to be involved in Young Lives, you don't have to get behind the car with the teen mom. But it is an option, always. Um, so I started, I guess, about seven or eight years ago, I, when I was, had young kids, um, was just thinking, this is hard. Being a mom is really hard, um, even on the best days with support and resources, and just felt God calling me to walk alongside and befriend some young moms who maybe were doing this in a harder situation. And um, I didn't know any teen moms. And when we moved to New Braunfels, um, I heard about Young Lives, and I thought, oh, I, think that, I think that's where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so I got connected with Carrie and really, you know, didn't know a whole lot, didn't have a whole lot of training. Um, but the fun thing about Young Lives is it really has just been befriending and walking around alongside this a girl who um, is doing so many of the similar things as me, although our lives have looked really different. And um, one of my favorite things about it is that I have a chance to offer the love of Christ and the hope um, and just the freedom and forgiveness that comes with following Jesus to these girls who most of the time are not hearing it anywhere else. Um, and now when I read so many of the verses in the Bible that talk about serving the poor, loving the orphan and widow, breaking chains of injustice, all those kinds of verses, I think of girls' names. Like, I think of their stories. Um, and that, for me, has come through, like, I've, I'm connected with those girls and those stories because of young lives. 
And um, it's, it makes those parts of the Bible so personal, where it's not just this general, like, serve those who need Jesus. But it's like, I really think about those individual girls and then have an opportunity that week when I feel convicted to share with them, like, okay, I'm going to see this person on Tuesday, and that's, you know, how I'm going to live this out. Um, that's been just, it's been a great connecting point for me to know, truly know those girls. Um, and when I, actually, when John was showing that first slide of all the different areas of ministry um, and the needs around New Braunfels, like homelessness, hunger, um, prison ministry, da da da, et cetera, et cetera. I was thinking in Young Lives, through those relationships I've had over the last seven years, we've covered all those things. So like some of the girls sitting in our, our living room at Bible study have been homeless. They have suffered through abuse. They have been through broken relationships. They, some of them have been in prison. I mean, it's just, it covers so many of those areas through relationships. And um, that's been, it's amazing just to see God work. And it's so fun to get to offer them truth. It feels like such a treat. Like, I have something to share with you that just changes everything. Um, and I just started mentoring a girl this past week, a new girl, and she was telling me some of her background, and I was thinking in my head, and I even told her, like, we are so different. Like, my background, I have, my childhood is so different from your childhood, and yet I want to be friends with you. Is that okay with you? Like, can we still get to know one another? Will you be open to that? Because I am, and she said she was, and so we're going to just start on that journey of just just talking, really. It's not complicated, um, and it's, it's a lot. And then Young Lives offers, like with club and campaigners, the nice thing, too, is then we have something to bring the girls to where we're not just on our own in the world mentoring them, but we kind of have that support of the group. Um, so it's been such a blessing for me, and we are looking for four new mentors. We're praying for that, and so that may be something that sparks your interest and we can talk to you more about. Um, also, Somebody asked me the other day, like, with the men, like, how could men be involved in this? And I know sometimes mentoring can become a family thing. That looks different with every situation. But, um, you know, when girls come over to dinner at our house, we need to be around my um, husband, too, Brett. And we're getting to kind of pour into her as a whole. A um, bunch of other ways to get involved more on the peripheral parts of the ministry. And so we'd love to talk to you all more. John will talk about a few of those ways and um, we'd just love to be part of that conversation with you. So, thanks. Hello, uh, my name is Bree. I am the residential counselor for Connections um, in our transitional living program. Um, so I just wanna talk a little bit about what we do, who we serve. Um, we do serve um, ages 15 to 21 at a, the TIP. Um, we usually get them closer to 16, and they usually stay until they're like, uh, well, we, I haven't really had any over the age of 20. So, like, usually 19, 20, they usually transition out. Um, <clears throat> so, we really focus on getting them to finish school, um, work on um, life skills, career building, learning how to cook, clean, do laundry, those kinds of things. Uh, so just a little bit about connections. Um, we, uh, we have a 24-hour crisis line that helps 
anybody, you know, day or night. We provide counseling for youth and families, um, mostly at no cost. Uh, we do it in offices, schools, clients' homes, things like that. Uh, we have a STAR program that works with school-age children. We do prevention in the school systems um, that does um, not just prevention about substance abuse, but just learning how to make healthy choices. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, we have a short-term shelter that um, is from like the ages of five through 18. And we have the transitional living program. And they can stay up until they're the age of 21. So there's no time frame on that. If they join us at 15, they can still stay until they're 21 if they choose to. <clears throat> um, so we have 16 beds at our TLP. Um, and what we do there is we just try to provide some normalcy, um, some structure. These kids, um, most of them have been neglected. They all have some kind of traumatic background. I mean, they're in the CPS system for a reason. And a lot of them just feel abandoned. And they, they come to us, we're broken, but that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. They don't trust anybody. Um, they have no idea how to have relationships with people. Um, so they really need guidance, um, trust, follow through, and consistency. And all they really have for adults is staff, you know? So it'd be really great if um, people would mentor um, because they need those people that can provide them some kind of, um, you know, structure. Um, and I wanted to tell a story about one of our girls. She is um, 18. She has been in the system probably since she was about seven. Um, mom was still part of her life um, until she was at the age of 11. And at 11, her mom decided that she no longer wanted to care for her. She's been in and out of psychiatric hospitals most of her life um, because her mom just didn't know how to handle her behaviors. Um, and so at 11, mom terminated her rights. Um, she has a longstanding history of self-harm. Um, she cuts a lot, uh, but since she has been at TLP, she has um, probably not self-harmed in the last six months, and she's been with us for about a year. Um, she have gone off to college, but they haven't lived in the home, and she's still living at TLP, and she started, she graduated early, and she took um, two classes. online through college um, in the uh, spring. Well, um, we have started um, an equine therapy program. Um, I started this up about a year ago um, and it has it's starting to take off but it's not it's not perfect yet but I got a rescue to donate two horses for me um, and they live just right down the road from from TLP and so I'm getting going through the process of getting certified and taking the youth out there to um, do some work with the horses. 
and it's a great um, certification that's called Natural Lifemanship, and they really teach about connection and relationships, and for these youth to learn how to have connection with themselves before they can have connection with other people, but they learn it in a healthy way. Um, so just a few things about connections. We are gonna have an open house at our shelter, um, which is right down the road on October 29th from two to four. And then at our TLP, we'll have one November 15th from five to 6.30. So we um, are looking for um, people who want to mentor. Um, if you have any special talents, um, or skills like carpentry or whatever, you know, maybe come and help us fix something up because our building is super old. Um, driver's Ed, um, they don't have the privilege of learning how to drive, so they wait till they're 18, but then they still have to have a car and take the test and stuff, which is really hard for them. Um, any, um, let's see, extracurricular stuff, you know, if y'all do sports like that would be great to try to get them involved well, now y'all ready so those are just some things that I feel like if y'all could you know donate your time that's really all they want and I'm gonna let Andy take over from here hey y'all my name is Andy Easley and this podium was not set up for me personally, obviously. Um, so I've had very little actual experience with connections outside of one event and getting to know uh, some of the staff. Uh, last year I was asked by a friend to uh, go and share my story. And when I finally had the opportunity to go, you know, it was a matter of not only walking into a, uh, a nonprofit, uh, pretty much government funded program uh, that invited me in and said, hey, talk about Jesus all day long. It was invited. It was welcomed. Um, and I sat around while 18 kids, again, some paid attention, some didn't. But they listened to my story. And uh, one of the main things that, that comes to mind when I think about that is, is just a short section of scripture I would love to read. I folded the page this morning, I promise. Uh, here we go. So I may do a little Andy paraphrasing, but bear with that. Um, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Think about the circumstances of your calling, my calling. Brothers and sisters, not many were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to privileged homes. But God chose... That's a big but. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise and to shame the... And, sorry, God chose what the world thinks to be weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, what is regarded as nothing, to set aside what is regarded as something so that no one can boast in his presence. He is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and the biggest, baddest part of that is redemption. Um, you know, just for myself, uh, it made me think back and go, he didn't come. Uh, he's not looking for, uh, you know, in, in my place. He wasn't coming for tall, lanky, bald, super pale, and pasty. 
but somehow he looks to the crowd and he pointed right at me. Um, so when you think about these kids, you know, John kind of mentioned them as the forgotten. Um, just, man, real quick, if Jesus walked in this room right now, it'd probably be the coolest thing ever, right? We'd all look and hope, man, well, there's a seat next to me, maybe push our wife out of the way so he might sit next to us. He's not sitting by you. And I can assure you why, because he's looking for the nearest exit and using this room as a shortcut to get to connections or to get to a courtroom to sit with somebody with CASA or to hang out at a campaigner's meeting. So I just wanna invite you at the end of Matthew 28, go. Jump on board, be a part of this. We're looking for at least three families to jump in. Kids are welcome. These kids over there love kids. Um, my, my daughter Josie and Callie made good friends in about an hour the last time we were there. So uh, anyway, it's an exciting thing. Come find out more about it after the service. Hello, my name is Mark Gambarillo. I am the uh, foster parent trainer for One Hope for Kids. Uh, there's just so many things I'd, I would love to tell you about how you can serve with us. Uh, I really would like to keep it short. Um, there really are five different ways that you can serve uh, in our ministry. That's what it is. It's a ministry. Uh, only one out of the, out of the five is uh, to actually become a foster adopt uh, parent. There are four other ways that you can serve. Um, and so we would love for you to come to the table and speak with us. What, what I will tell you is this. Uh, you know, as John said, half of our children are leaving our county. And they're going places where people don't know them. And we're Christians and, 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 we're, and the Lord loves us and he uses us. And we cannot let that happen anymore. Uh, you know, our, our slogan is until every child has a home. And it's a lofty goal. But we know we can meet it. We know we can meet it because we have the Lord and church. We have each other. I, I, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul when he was talking uh, to the church in Corinth. And, you know, Corinth gave him much strife. But when we love someone a lot, we allow them to give us so much strife. It's like we give our heart to them. And uh, I remember Paul saying to the church in Corinth, he said, They've, therefore, I will gladly spend and expend myself for your sake. If I love you more, will you love me less? These children don't know who to count on. We want them to know that Jesus is real, that they can hear the good news of Christ in your home, and that you can be a vessel used by Christ so that they can know him. It reminds me, their, their lives, literally, like, it reminds me of a song. And it's funny, I'm about, I'm about to sing. Uh, but in, in the song, I'm sorry, there's a lot of Latin passion here on this stage right now. The, the, the stage was for me, brother. It's got to be this short. The song says, uh, when the bombs break right outside my door. And I can't shake the onset of my wars when the stakes are raised and we hold the hands we've drawn. You're what I'm counting on. They don't know who to count on. We want them to know that they can count on you 
because of who Christ is in you. Will you come visit our table? We're going to be over there. Come say hello. We would love to know. Thank you. My name is Julie Couplin. I have the privilege of serving as the between the Springs and One Hope for Kids. Um, I've been involved in some fashion of adoption, orphan ministry for almost 20 years. Um, and then professionally for the last 10 years as um, an adoption attorney walking people through that process. I'm so excited to get back into the ministry side of things again. Um, when asked me to pray about this several months ago honestly my first inclination was I don't think so I'm too busy I homeschool three kids I I still do take these cases I, I don't know I was doing just my morning Bible study and the study was on the parable once and um, we got to the part where I read about the the buried talent that produced no fruit, didn't multiply, and man, did God convict me. <laughs> you see, you know, basically he said, you are hiding your talent. Get, out, get back out there. And so I'm standing before you in obedience to him. Um, I don't know, you know, how that's going to look exactly, but we're really just praying for at least one new foster family, if not more, uh, and just all kinds of people come support them. And... We have the table in the back, and also please just put on your calendars in your mind. Next Sunday, right after church, there will be a one-hour informational meeting that will just go into more depth on how you can jump in and serve in this way. And um, lastly, just a, a brief little story. Um, John had asked us to kind of share our heart as to why we think people should join up in this ministry. And as I was thinking through that, um, I was sitting with my little boy, who was five, and as five-year-old little boys often do, requires a lot of direction, discipline, correction throughout the day. Um, and I feel like there, there are some days where all I do is correct him, and I think he probably feels that way too. And so uh, about a year ago or so, I started kind of at the end of the day often saying to him these three things, just a reminder to him. You know, I say, buddy, you are a blessing. You bring so much joy to this family, and I love you so much. And then it hit me that it's in our backyards that are here the exact opposite. Maybe not in words, but in retreated. They're hearing, you are not a blessing. You, are, you bring trouble into this home. Nobody loves you. And if we can do anything to correct that, I don't know. It, it just really hit me one, one night when I was in there saying that to him. And I, I pray that his older and grown man, like he still remembers those words. Um, and that the children that are out there that hear the opposite, that maybe we can intervene. And they don't hear the negative going through their brains when they're grown-ups, but they remember that family that took them in and told them, you are a blessing, bring joy to this world, and you are loved.
Good morning. My name is Joyce Yanuzi. I'm the Community Relations Coordinator for CASA of Central Texas. And CASA is an acronym that stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. We serve four counties between San Antonio and Austin, and that is Comal County, Caldwell County, Hayes County, and Guadalupe County. So we have a very large footprint to cover. Our office is primarily located here in New Braunfels, but we also have a satellite office in San Marcos. And we are in the process of, just broke ground in the process of building a new training facility that will be in San Marcos to help train more advocates. Um, CASA of Central Texas was started in 1985 by an attorney, a family attorney here and some other community um, friends of his, seeing that there was a need for uh, children to be have a voice when they were going through the process. And so he and some other people started this organization that had actually been around since 1977. And then in 1996, the New Braunfels office absorbed the other three counties and we now serve the four as I mentioned. Um, we have a very large area to cover. Uh, there are a lot of people that have been moving into Comal County and to Hayes County primarily. They're two of the fastest growing counties in the country I know. So when people move here, they move here with their problems, unfortunately. And there are a lot of children that we have that have been removed from the homes because of uh, physical abuse or neglect, and they do not have anyone in the courtrooms that are representing their best interests. And that's what our advocates do. They are volunteers in the community, such as yourselves. They are 21 years old, and they have to pass a background check. But once they've gone through the training that we provide for them for free, they are then sworn in by a they become a guardian ad litem. And basically that is power invested to them by the state of Texas to have the full rights and privileges that a parent would to their information, whether it be education information or medical information. So these um, volunteer advocates that we have, we have about 350, which sounds like a lot of volunteers, but because of the growth that has come into this area, we are unable to keep up with that demand of children that are being removed from the homes. So there are about 1,300 children that are pr primarily right now in state care as children that have been removed from abusive homes, and we are able to serve about half of that need. So there are 50% of those kids that do not have someone that is there in the courtrooms for them when their case comes before the judge to advocate for what is in their best interests. When they take a child what they want to do, they always will want to go home to their parents, to their family, to their house, their toys, their school that they left. And that may not be their best interest. That may be very detrimental to them. But the advocates that we have that are volunteers with us, they go through and they do a little bit of investigative digging into that child's background. They see if there's anything that they're needing. They see if there's anything that was missing when CPS had to remove them from the home and place them in another home. And they go before the judge when the case is on the docket and they let the judge know this child was supposed to be receiving uh, tutorial care. It was medicine that they were on and they're not getting that now. So the judge is able to make um, sure that that child gets the things that they're needing and they are have their best interests are represented as well. We have several volunteer advocates that are in our community. We have some that are in your church. But um, as staff member, we all have to go through the training ourselves. And um, I had been aware of CASA for several years. 
bring on the United Way of Kamau County Board of Directors, and we were able to provide them the grants that they need to help to continue to the work that they do. But the moment that I really got why CASA was here was during part of my training, we have to go and, and do courtroom observance at the family courts. And just so we get a really good idea as to what it is that the courtrooms do. And then also, if there's an advocate there, what their job entails. And there was one case in particular, and this was here in Comal County, where the judge had called this case before her. We were, she was looking for the family members, the parents, the child's parents were not there. The child was not there, thank goodness, to hear this, but the child's parents were not there. The family that the child was placed with did not show up. The attorney for the child was running late, so there was nobody there to speak for this child. There was not a CASA advocate that had been assigned to it because this could, did not have enough advocates to cover all of these cases. So when the judge said, is there no one here to speak for this child, and it was silence. And if you could have seen the little light bulb go off over my head, that was my aha moment. That's why we have CASA, that's why we have advocates, and that's why I am here to help get more community members involved to take care of these kids that are in our community. Abuse does not discriminate. It does not know color, it does not know race, it does not know religion, it does not know education, it does not know how much money you have or don't have. There is abuse in our community, in your neighborhoods, in your kids' schools. These kids need a voice to help them get placed in the best situation possible for them, whether it's back with their family or whether it's to have the parents' rights terminated and those children be placed in a foster home or be adopted by a family that is wanting that child in their family. So I encourage you to please stop by our table over here to get more information. I'm going to have Kim come up, who is a church member. She is one of our CASA advocates as well, and she can give you a more hands-on and personal experience as to what it entails. Thanks, Joyce. Well, as Joyce said, I am Kim Francis, and I do belong to the Springs, and I have been a CASA advocate since last summer. I just finished my first case, um, and I just last week got a text video from my CASA mom, uh, and it was such a delight to watch this mom and dad and child and laughing and sending me, the CASA, a video, because as soon as that case closed, family didn't have to have anything to do with me. And I was so delighted to be able to see this family laughing together because this last year had not been a laughable year. Um, CASA was the platform for me to be able to build a relationship with that family. Um, the fact that they asked me to be a part of following the case shows how much time I got to spend with the child and the kinship placement and the parents. Um, I built a relationship with all of them. CASA was how I was able to get to know the family that I might never have gotten to meet otherwise. I had a, the privilege of walking alongside them for an entire year in probably one of the hardest years of their lives. Uh, walking with them uh, taught me about God's goodness and his unending love. I watched this family grow in courage and strength and fight really hard to reunite. And unfortunately, that is not how it ended, but they are still fighting to see each other and be a family. I watched um, as a child 
and kinship placement uh, grow in their relationship as they learned how to navigate this new living situation. I studied addiction and I grew in leaps and bounds in understanding the huge hurdles it takes to walk through and get through successfully dealing with addiction. I observed a judge who does her job with excellence, giving the perfect amount of toughness and mercy to families in her courtroom every week. I learned from a supervisor who supported me fully and these families and gave 100% to her cases. Life change comes through relationship. And that's part of why I love CASA so much is because I had to build relationships with these families. Jesus commands us to pour out our lives for the hurting and the voiceless and the hopeless. And we have to go into the pain and the darkness and bring the light that we've been given. And that's why I love CASA. I get to go deep into these lives of those of who I may never have met before. I get to be a voice and an advocate for a child right here in my own community. My life is richer and my relationship with the Lord is much deeper because I am a CASA. We're praying for at least two new court-appointed special advocates from this Springs community and I hope that maybe you will be one of them. Good morning. My name is Jason Nelson. I first want to thank, thank you to the Springs, um, really just for taking the time to shine a light on the ministries that have already spoken, ministry I'll talk about. But um, it's amazing because there's so many opportunities in our life to uh, put our time somewhere. But if we don't know where God is moving, then we can't choose that. And so really bringing that to our attention, I think, is super important. Like I said, I'm uh, representing Options for Life today. Options, really, from a statement standpoint, is um, it's a Christ-centered organization to educating and encouraging people to choose life, to make better, better sexual choices, and then to also um, help people when they're trying to heal from a history of abortion. And so, you know, the ministry itself is a nonprofit ministry. Uh, from the standpoint uh, of, of fundraising from banks, uh, you know, trying to, uh, trying to look at our, our yearly budget and those type things, um, you know, it, it is a tax-deductible nonprofit um, supported by churches, supported by individuals, supported by businesses, those kind of things. Really what we do, that's just what we do sometimes in order to do what we do. Um, when it comes to, uh, one of the things I love the most about options as we get into to, to some of the individual things um, is that at the banquet that we do every year, they talk about clients that have been served, and it might be 690 clients, or it might be 700 clients, or 800 clients that have been sat down and talked to about pregnancy, and about risk, and about abortion, and different things, uh, and choosing life. But the thing that I really like is the next stat, because the next stat that comes on is, how many times has Christ been shared? And it might be like 580 compared to 620. You know, and our goal really is, is that this is a Christ-based ministry that we want to not only love and serve and, and help, but we want to share Christ. If we're not sharing Christ, then, then we're missing our goal. And so that's one of the, the things I really enjoy and love. It's been in our community 30 years now, and this is the 30th anniversary. And so it's, it's a blessing, kind of a fun year to, to see that. Um, you know, really from my standpoint, what that means to me is we're not going anywhere. You know, the way that, that uh, options has served in the past, they will continue to serve. Um, from, a, from a standpoint, 
actually offered at Options. I kind of want to go through a client list so that you kind of know really from your standpoint, if you meet someone in need that's in your circle or that's in a circle that you know uh, and you hear something going on, you can say, oh, I've heard of a place and that place is, is perfect for what you're going through. Uh, from a client standpoint, first of all, everything is confidential. Uh, everything is private. It's like with, I'm sure, most things that we've spoken about today, uh, confidentiality is of the utmost importance. Uh, pregnancy testing, that's one of the first things obviously we do. If we're, uh, we start with named options and then we're options for life because it was mainly kind of a pregnancy center slash uh, pro-life um, uh, organization. Uh, we've changed to options for life now because we're doing a lot more men's ministry, but obviously where we started is with pregnancy testing a lot. Um, and then we also do some limited um, obstetrical ultrasounding, which we know that if you have a person who's at risk for abortion and you bring them in um, and you show them their baby with an ultrasound, their chance of choosing life is about 99 point something. I can't remember the something. Uh, but that's amazing. Like, that's a percentage that, for me, is hard to believe. I mean, I'm like, oh, probably 70%. Oh, probably 80%. You know, but when God shows us what grows with inside us, it changes, you know, and there's a bond there. And so uh, so that's an important thing to do. Uh, we do some limited uh, STI testing, which is such, uh, sexually transmitted infection. Uh, we do abortion recovery support and then abortion alternatives. We do uh, referrals to other community services. So many of the things you've heard about today, uh, that would be something we can connect with also for referrals. Um, uh, we do abstinence education and then assist victims, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, and then parents and Bible studies. This is a piece of the puzzle that has really grown in the last few years. The court system now, especially with um, a CPS and other situations where a child is pulled out of a home, um, they now require parenting classes, and I'm sure they have for years, but now they've asked options to be more involved in that. And so now we have uh, multiple classes during the week uh, where we bring people in from the community and we sit down and we talk about how to be a parent. And obviously that's a Christ-based system. And then the other thing that's really neat is if our goal is to share Christ, well then we're sharing Christ during that time. We're having breakout sessions and sharing Christ, which is a neat, uh, a neat way in. And then the last thing really from a client service standpoint is car seat education uh, and installation. Um, you know, how can you partner with options? How can you be involved? And, and what do we need from our community? And how can you share Christ better with, with those through us? Uh, prayer. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we do. I'm, I'm on the board with Beth Owens. Uh, and one of the things that we see consistently is when we get to a, a wall and we don't know the direction, we just quit and we just start praying. Um, and I can't tell you how many times in the last five years we've had a, a struggle or a hurdle that we thought, we just don't, we don't know the way around, we don't know the way over. Um, and so we as a board just said, we're going to start praying. And literally, within like four days of, of continual prayer, uh, Beverly, who is, uh, is the head administrator there, will call or send a text or say something you're like, miracle, you know, and, and give us the history of that. So your prayer is coveted. And so if you could do that, that'd be amazing. Uh, and then support financially, obviously, like one-time monthly gifts or even supporting things like the bank we have every year um, is, is obviously a, a way you could support us. From a volunteer standpoint, we have a, a resource center, and that resource center is kind of like a boutique shop. Uh, and the idea of it is, is that we have um, young families and mothers that come in, um, and they are trying to uh, love their children well, but finances are always tight. And so one of the things we do is, as people come to uh, options, uh, they can participate in Bible studies, they can participate in other activities, and as they do, they, they earn baby bucks. And they can take those baby bucks to kind of 
of our boutique store, and they can get all kinds of things, like diapers and clothing and uh, uh, bags and different things. And so it kind of encourages them to be more involved in order so that they can earn things in our store, uh, which is great. So being a volunteer in that setting is kind of fun, too. And so if it's one of those things that you're a social butterfly and you like kind of uh, floating around and enjoying time with people, that's a great opportunity to be kind of uh, a piece of that uh, puzzle. Uh, another part is uh, clientele. So when we have people who are come in who are at risk for abortion or are newly pregnant or don't know if they're pregnant, um, exposed to an STI and are worried about uh, being infected, uh, we sit down and we kind of have a medical side to our building and it's, it looks similar to a doctor's office and we go through and uh, we have rooms. But really it's, it's a time that uh, we can spend um, in prayer and sharing and also in just educating people about what their choices are. And so, uh, so those are kind of the two opportunities that, that from our church body we would really like you guys to consider. Um, donate baby items is one thing, is one piece. We have a, a, a bottle drive every year, um, and multiple ch churches will uh, will pull in bottles, and we just stuff them with change. We stuff them with dollars, and and that's a way of of giving. The other thing is baby showers, which I just found this out because uh, Beverly told me yesterday. Didn't know we did baby showers, and so I kind of said, "What's a baby shower?" Um, which, you know, it, it's not that baby shower. Um, and she said what they do is, like, they have just encouraged, like, Bible studies or groups that are around town that get together on a routine basis. For us, it might be small groups. But you say, hey, let's have a baby shower this And people bring wrapped gifts that are baby shower gifts, like girl or boy, and you just bring them and give them. And then we get them to options. And so when we do have someone who uh, has delivered a baby and, and they don't really have access to things that we would call baby showers, we can give those gifts and give them to those families, which is pretty amazing. Um, uh, one thing, uh, volunteer at the banquet. One of the things that they had asked us, which was higher on their list, was the banquet, which is coming on the 22nd of this month. Uh, there's a lot of need for serving, and I think we have about half the servers that we need right now. So if you don't have anything going on on a Tuesday night on the 22nd and you'd like to uh, serve for the banquet, um, it will be over at the um, event center. McKenna, not the McKenna Event Center. It's the one that's on Seguin Street. What's that called? Civic Center, yes. Okay. Um, okay, and so... Uh, uh, I was asked to kind of do both sides of our thing, not only the, the explanation of this, but then also from the personal standpoint. We have a lot of people through options that are out this week. Um, and uh, initially I thought, 10 minutes? How can I possibly talk for 10 minutes? But I'm proving myself wrong here. Um, my story, and the reason that I think uh, really brought me to options is that um, 18 years ago, my wife and I had been trying to have a baby for a long time. Um, and uh, everyone we knew found that to be very easy, uh, and we didn't find that to be very easy. Um, and God brought us to an adoption agency uh, that brought us to multiple people. Uh, eventually, we landed on a girl named Jennifer who we loved, and she loved us. Um, and we had uh, an experience over multiple months getting to know her better. Um, and a baby was born named Ellie, and um, <laughs> brought more joy to our life than um, we could have ever understood. Um, and I think that was one of those things where the door was open to um, the decision she had to make to be strong enough to think, um, although I love this child, and she was amazing in the fact that she, she gave us a scrapbook and she gave us all the things about how much she loved Ellie, but she felt like it wasn't the right thing for her to do. Um, and so the way those decisions we saw her make were so difficult. And so I think that was 
started having a, a heart for people who had to make those kind of choices. Um, as we moved into Bromville's, which now is 16 years ago, I, I did OB in my practice for the first five years. Um, and I'd have multiple people come in and say, well, I'm pregnant. I'm like, well, how do you know you're pregnant? Well, I went to options. And I'm like, well, what is options? And so I kind of got to know where options was through that, just from the obstetrical world. Um, we used to do, and still do, something called Worth the Wait, which is STI uh, uh, training or teaching. It used, to be, uh, it used to be really run primarily by the organization of options. Now it's more run through the schools. But because of that relationship, we still have still teach uh, STDs uh, around here. So if you're a kid that's in high school, um, or actually most of the kids that are in college now have had me teach them about all types of sexually transmitted infections. Uh, and all those pictures are now associated with me. And so I apologize, um, uh, and, but I'm happy to do it again. And I have the privilege of doing that every year at the New Braunfels Ninth Grade Center. And so it's about 900 students who come through uh, and we get to teach show things we shouldn't have to. Um, and then really one of the things that, uh, that we've been able to do, the privilege I've had to do, is I was asked to serve on the board back in 2014 or 15, and about the same time Beth was, uh, Beth Owens. Um, and really getting to see, uh, I think from a ministry standpoint, um, I guess the best way I can kind of really, I, I hope this is true of the military, but you know, you see on a movie, you see all these people in a room and all these computers, and you see airplanes flying, and they're, they're doing something in that room. They're, they're guiding, but, but what I hope they also see is the infantry that's on the ground, because the, the blessing that I've seen at Options is being able to serve on the board has been great, but being able to see the people that come through is amazing, and being able to see the volunteers who give their life and give their heart and, and, and show up day after day is amazing, and so I hope from that standpoint um, that everyone gets to see when they, when they serve on a board. Uh, and then lastly, um, from a volunteer standpoint, uh, we are asking for two volunteers, uh, two for the resource center, and then two for uh, client situations. And so uh, if you could be in prayer about that. We do have a, a mandatory training that comes with that, and it happens to be December 3rd and 4th, which is right around the corner. Uh, so if that's something that you guys would be interested in, we'll be at the tables. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Anybody here ever watch TED Talk? Right, those short, sweet, hey, thank y'all for sticking with us through five. It was our honor getting to present to you guys some of these different ministries, these different missions that people are doing. What I want to do is real quickly recap. I imagine some of you are sitting there and saying, now what was the thing and how could I serve and what are the next steps and where are we? So I want to recap that. I'm talking about options in life. And what I'm recapping is what are the goals of this local church over the next year? What are we praying God raises up and we commit to? Options for life, recruit and train four client advocates. That's what Jason was talking about. Volunteer to serve dinner at their banquet. That's October 22nd. Our young adult ministry, our high school ministry, we're gonna be asking them to come do it. I'll be there. If you're free, come and help. Here's what, anybody here have a job as a server? Okay, like three of us. Hardest job I've ever had, including this one, right? That is absolutely what you're going to do. Come and do it. We're going to host a bottle drive. We'll likely do that in spring, summer. Young lives continuing on. We're raising up four of those weekly mentors to go and engage teen moms, to enter into the world, to meet them where they are with the love of Christ and the help in the midst of the season. 
We're supporting uh, club meals throughout. That's a monthly event. Now, because of the springs and other, I believe, local bodies in the church, the next year they're full. But one of the things we're asking is, hey, what if we came and we served them with childcare? To alleviate some of these young mamas while they're coming and learning, come host, love on their kiddos and engage them. So we're looking to create here 12 instances over the next year where we show up, men, women, and we invest and we watch their kids while others love on them. Next one, Connections TLP. We're looking to recruit and train. That's a, that's a typo right there. Three weekly leaders for support. Right now we've raised up two out of those three. That's Andy Easley and Josh Steen. Two out of those three, what's going to happen? There's a weekly engagement there with dinner and discipleship. We're essentially just going to build relationships, enter in their world, see what we can serve. And over time, that ministry will appropriately change based on the needs. And then we're going to support the banquet they're going to be hosting here in January. One hope for the kids. We're going to be hosting two community-wide informational meetings. The one that we reference for next Sunday following the service, that's not just spring-specific. That's anybody and everybody who simply wants to come and learn more about fostering, what's involved with that, what's included. The second thing is we are asking God to raise up one family to commit to that. And then with that commitment will come the support of the whole church coming beside them. And then finally, we are praying we raise up two costs, and by God's grace, we've already raised up one. So if you remember at the start, here's what we ask. Prayerfully consider, God, what would you have me do? You may be in all the right areas already, and if going, or it may be, hey, if I could do that, it makes me a little nervous. I don't know what I would say. I don't know how to engage in that. But if I could do that, God, I'm willing. He loves that. So here's next steps, guys. One, we'll have those booths set up at the back. You're welcome to go ask questions. You can tear out an information section. We can follow up. We can reach out with you. Tell us. Part of the reason we brought the liaisons here is if you don't know them, you'll have a friendly face. You can ask them. We'll do anything and everything we can to connect you with these people. We'll follow up this week if you're a member here at our body with an email talking about these same next steps and how to get more information. But if you want to talk with them today, go. That's why they're here. The second thing I want to let you guys know about is starting next week in the morning, Sunday morning, from 8.30 to 9.30. We're going to do a four-week discipleship class. We're going to work through a biblical discipleship curriculum. It's based on a book called When Helping Hurts. It's a biblical framework for how Christians are called to serve the local community and the community. So if you're thinking through where you want to serve, but you're honestly thinking, how do I do that really effectively? Come and join us. You can register for that by going to help.thespringsnb.org. You can go to our website and find it under the events page, Child Care is Provided. We would love for you to come and grow in a framework of care for others. The final thing I'll close with, my friend Andy, he's one of the liaisons to Connections TLP that we brought up. He was the guy, and this is his language, not mine, tall, lanky, pasty, bald. That was Andy, right? Andy, he shared this story, and as I sat there, man, I imagine what happened to you is what happened to me. Like, he's talking about what it'd be like if Jesus walked through those doors, and he came in, and he'd see us all, and immediately, man, I'm leaning in, and I'm thinking about, man, what it would be like if Christ was here, and then he's talking about how Christ, he'd work his way through, he'd come, he'd find one of the exits, and he'd say, hey, here's where I gotta go. Everything he said is completely true, right? Jesus Christ, hey, he came for the sick. He came for the hurting, he came for the broken. You in me, the rich, the poor, those in need. But here's the part too that he would say. He'd come, he'd see us, he'd walk through that door and he'd stand there and he'd turn back and he would look at you. He would look at you and he would say, man, 
he'd say, I came for you. I died for you. I've purchased you. We got to go get them. I came for them. I've died for them. I've purchased them. Come with me. Come with me. And he would plead for his church, his people, his followers. Let's go. Guys, wherever you're called to go and serve, go. We are called. Why? We've been served.